Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 171 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. I'm here every week. My name is Eric on the weekly, Walquist. And joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... I'm uh, Jesse Phoenix Jones' new love interest, Wilson. Phoenix Jones' new love interest? Jesse, you got to let me know when you find romance on the mean streets of Seattle. Well, it just happened. Okay. Now that uh, now that Phoenix Jones and Purple Rain are officially broken up. <laughs> I, I was not aware. It's breaking news. Mm-hmm. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> breaking hearts and breaking news here on the podcast, but where Purple Rain right. uh, is leaving his life, I'll be there to fill that void. Purple Rain, Phoenix Jones. I mean, the first dance writes itself. It's really a shame. Yeah. Uh, can you explain Phoenix Jones to people who are from Australia? Uh, yeah, he's a, a guy who lives in Seattle who dresses up in a costume mm-hmm. and fights juggalos. He's a real life superhero. He tear gasses people. He tear, he tear gasses the shit out of people. He has a, a, some collateral damage that he gets in trouble for because that stuff's okay in the movies, but in real life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you are breakdancing and maybe smoking a little jazz cigarette in Belltown, you're going to get fucked up by a Phoenix Jones. <laughs> or if you're a drunk guy who's a little overconfident, he is going to will you into a fight that is technically legal and then kick your ass. There is yeah, video of yeah. him doing this online. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to fight him. But well, yeah, no. strangely, I do want to fight him. <laughs> Although oh. it wouldn't go very well. Well, you know, he's a Taekwondo master. Uh huh. And uh, the other part about this is, you know, he's not really the superhero that we need, but he's a superhero we deserve <laughs> in this city. <laughs> but I, I got brew jitsu. That's true, man. So any sort of keg-shaped objects I can move. Yeah. And he's put, he's built like a keg. He's he's a stout man. He is a stout man, and he wears that body armor. He basically is a keg. Mm-hmm. He's got to do the keg throw. Yeah, just give him the old keg toss. The classic keg toss. It lights out, Phoenix Jones, <laughs> but he'll rise again. Justin, you're the perfect supervillain for Phoenix Jones. <laughs> you're like, like, why? What's your problem? <laughs> That's your supervillain name. You're the keg tosser. That's the thing you really open yourself up to, I think, if you're going to be a superhero right. in real life. It's not that, like, you're going to get beat up by one of those jugglers one day. It's that some person might obsess over you and try and be your villain. That's true, man. I don't want that kind of relationship with someone. Well, it's, you know, it's 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 the other side of the coin. Like, one cannot live without the other. It, yeah. it, for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I'm looking through a lot of um, Purple Rain photos on facebook right now and they're both unmasked in a lot of them yeah i don't think it'd be hard to find either of these people well, also phoenix jones has a gigantic flat top phoenix jones was like, unmasked he got arrested by the police and then came out and unmasked himself in a press conference oh. it's like real superhero stuff going on there you go yeah so, i think once you're unmasked you're, done, you're like a mexican wrestler mm-hmm. luchadore yeah, Mexican wrestlers are actually way better superheroes than Phoenix Jones and company. Yeah, you know, that's why I always liked Bane as the Mexican wrestler. Like, you know, in, in the in the Nolan verse, I really feel like Bane and Killer Croc could have been two, like, underground wrestlers. Uh-huh. And one of them's a luchador and the other one is just, like, Killer Croc, but he's, like, a, a, you know, an homage to the 80s WWF fighters. And then they... they... I, I still haven't seen that movie. 
<laughs> what? Oh, you haven't seen the Dark Knight Rises? No. Oh man. Well, uh, I do own it. If you want to borrow it. Speaking of, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't have a DVD or Blu-ray player right now. Actually, <laughs> I have a DVD player. You could probably borrow too. <laughs> That's okay. Speaking of keeping... like you, you lent me like six DVDs, I didn't watch a single oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, just, uh, you know, general business, <laughs> what are you drinking this week, man? Mm. General business could be my supervillain name. I'm like, uh, I'm a defect, uh, uh, right. a Marine Corps general who defects and becomes a Fortune 100 business owner. Right. General business. Well, it's basically it's set in a dystopian future where corporations are countries, and their private security forces Whoa, are military. I like it. Yeah, I like it. General business. <laughs> okay, I'm drinking free beer from work. Where are you drinking? I am okay. So you know, I love the the weed whacker from Terminal Gravity. It was an awesome winter seasonal that for some reason was overstocked at my local grocer, so they were selling it well into October. And I love the hell out of it. It was such a good session. It was delicious. 4.8%. Really delicious beer. Great to watch during football games. So in Terminal Gravity, when I saw that they had the uh, winter season, I was like, well, i got to pick that up because I'm becoming a fan of this brewery. So Terminal Gravity uh, Festival, the strong winter ale, it is also really, really good. And it is the antithesis of a seasonal. It's coming in at 8.4%. It's literally the inverse of the 4.8% winter seasonal <laughs> session now. So, That's uh, funny. That'd be funny if you, you're a brewery that only had two beers, uh-huh. and they were just the inverse <laughs> yeah, of the, each other. The 4.8 and the 8.4. Yin-yang brewing company. Have you had any of this terminal gravity? You know, I'm looking them up. It, I definitely recognize the name. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't I don't know if I have. They're they're based in Enterprise, Oregon, which I think is the perfect place for the general business comic book to be set. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're from Oregon, and uh, everything I've had so far I really like. So Terminal Gravity, check them out. Check that out. Speaking of that, do we have a Deto for this week? Um, I don't. All right, let's just do it to Russell Wilson, man, because Seahawks freaking looked great on Sunday. Yeah, that was a. That's the thing about football is, like, you want a performance like they had on Sunday where you Mm -hmm. go out and you take the lead and you don't lose it. Yet, you know, the Tampa Bay (laughs) game was way more exciting. Yeah, but I also didn't feel like I had an ulcer after the (laughs) Falcons game. Isn't that the fun of sports, though? I guess so. I mean, that's the thing about football is, like, literally in the NFL, yes, there are great teams and there are terrible teams, but the difference between the great teams and the terrible teams is really quite small. Right, and... (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's just execution like it's it's yeah. literally they call it the game of inches for a reason and like you can come out and beat tampa bay and uh go up 21 to nothing on you know one of the best teams in the league but now the seahawks nine and one so the san francisco 49ers lost and uh they now have three losses on the season you know what that means dude because they're playing the saints this week 49ers and saints that means we got to root for the 49ers this week what no what no yeah because oh, for home if, field. Yeah, if the 49ers beat the Saints and at least uh, have three losses, and then they're both also coming to Seattle after the bye. So if Seattle can win one of those two games, then they basically have home field advantage locked up. So we got to root for the we got to root for the Niners this week. I guess I could, I guess that's a win win. Yeah, it really is. Either way, like it, honestly, like if the if the Niners win, it's like oh that's really good for the for home field advantage. And then if the when Niners lose, it's like yeah, fuck the Niners. The Niners aren't gonna win though. They're not going to win, man. Not at the Superdome. No, no, no. 
So anyway, and Russell Wilson did really well in this game. I was very happy. And the Goblin did great, too. Yeah, the Goblin, that one-hander. <laughs> yeah. Golden Tate, the Goblin. Goblin Tate. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some listener feedback this week. We got a we got a, a handful of voicemails, and a couple people decided that their voicemails were so nice they they, they do it twice. So uh, let's start that one off. This one's coming to us from Texas. Hey guys, this is Sean from Fort Worth, and uh, about the Christmas decorations and stuff coming up. Uh, we just had a strict family rule growing up that they could never go up after my birth until after my birthday. Um, my birthday is March 15th, um, which this year happens to fall on, uh, two days before St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm saying that all I want for my birthday is nobody to go out and drink ever again. Yeah, off my back. I think Sean might be taking us up on this drunk dial thing. Mm. We might have to revisit the drunk dial thing. <laughs> We've gotten some doozies lately. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're going to Denver next. Let's uh, let's hear what we have to hear. Hey, Eric and Jesse. This is Cody from Denver again. I was just calling in for a couple things this week. First off, I was really sad to hear you can't do the uh, get off my running back anymore, Eric. It was an awesome podcast. and. I was looking forward to hearing some talk about, well, the Broncos this week, because let's be honest, the game of the week is coming up, and it's going to be an early one. Kansas City Chiefs and Broncos, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Anyway, and also, by the way, awesome game for the Seahawks this past weekend. Nice fleet flicker. And the other thing I want to talk about was some news about Marvel, namely that Netflix is picking up shows for, let's see, Luke Cage. Daredevil, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones, which would be pretty crazy. And I was wondering if you guys could talk about that, and maybe what other low-level, like, more obscure characters would be awesome to see on Netflix. Anyway, that's all I got. So, get off my back. Get off my back. Yeah, actually, uh, we were... Oh, my. (laughs) Wow. Delayed reaction. Delayed reaction there. Okay, well. uh, Actually, I'm going to have to table that conversation, because it might come up a little later in the show. About Wait, the superheroes, wow. but uh, but yeah, um, this I mean, game of the week is coming up this week. You got yeah, that's the gonna be Kansas City and then Denver. The only thing that's going to top that is in two more weeks when Kansas City and Denver square off once more. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, and I appreciate the uh, get up my running back love. Thank you so much. I'm uh, predicting the beginning of the decline and fall of the Denver Broncos. Ooh, because Peyton Manning's a little hurt now, and he's definitely going to play in this game. Is he going to play? Oh, yeah, he's definitely playing. Okay, well, he could get hurt again. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, there's a lot of love for Peyton Manning out there. Yep. But I I feel like he's just a guy who doesn't get it done when it needs to get done. Ooh, he does have uh, infinitely more Super Bowls than uh, the Seahawks, if you look at percentages. (laughs) Yeah, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not no, saying the Seahawks are perennially a dominant team. It is a bit of his MO, though. I mean, that's kind of the Peyton Manning thing. So you love him, and then, he's, and then... He's the height of 90s fashion. <laughs> Excellent. So this game is in Denver, which I think is also interesting. But I think in two weeks, the one at the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs could take home field advantage in that game. So, anyway. I think that they should take home field advantage in the 
on a game that's played on their home field. That's what yes. I'm saying. All right, now yeah. let's <laughs> let's go out to Boston. We got a we got one more call here. Hey, arrogance! It's John from Boston. This is probably going to be one of the more regrettable drunk drop tiles I ever give. It is three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and I am out because a date with some girl turned into a club night on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Fucking Boston. Fucking Boston, but man. I was just listening to episode uh, 38 where you guys referenced PAX East. Triggered Boston in my mind. Decided to ring y'all up, give you a call. So stay off my back. <laughs> stay off my back. Stay off my back, John. Oh, look at this. John, call this one more time. Apparently, drunk dryling is really big in um, in Boston. So. Hey, guys. It's John from Boston again. Follow up from Val at 3 o'clock. And on Tuesday, you guys were just talking about how tiny Jesse is. He could squeeze up into an <laughs> airplane compartment. Yet, all the time Eric talks about how he's huge and good at sports and all that nonsense. <laughs> how tall exactly are the two of you and all that? So, get off my macaroni and cheese. Get off my macaroni and cheese, John. This is, a, this is interesting. You know, a lot of people think that I'm a huge fat guy. And while... Yeah. You are huge. Well, I do weigh 215 pounds. I spread that out over six foot four of body, so. Right. You're you're at once huge and mm-hmm. lanky. Yeah, huge and lanky. That's yeah. actually the name of my new country uh, band. <laughs> you're <It's>, you're <laughs> kinda, you have kind of a, a orangutan physique. Oh, no, dude, that's your dad. <laughs> well, he has orangutan features. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I would say I'm a ring. How tall are you, Jesse? I'm five foot eleven inches and mm. also one half inch. Well, there you go. I'm not six foot. I'm just shy. I weighed myself uh, today, actually. Mm-hmm. Coming in, clocking in at one seventy, which is an all time high for me. Nicely I got my, done. Got my daddy weight going. You realize I will never weigh one hundred seventy pounds again. You shouldn't. You would. Be in trouble. I, I, for the longest time, like I've been six foot, I've been over six foot two since I was fourteen years old, wow. and and there wow. was a time in my life when I was six two one forty five. Oh my god, <laughs> that's when I was in junior high. Anyway, uh, so heights and weights, people. Interesting, interesting stuff, right? I wonder what your wingspan is. What's your catch radius? I well, it's generally like how tall you are. I know it varies a bit. But I have at least this. I have it's your wingspan is is usually about how tall you are. That's weird. Give or take. Oh, a few that's inches. that whole Da Vinci deal. Yeah. Ah, uh, it makes sense now. And then I also uh, before we he wrap, was just mapping out catch radius. There you go. And drawing a wing. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was actually his his intern. Got, he was mad at him that day, so <laughs> he added a wing to it, and and that's history. Um. Uh, and then finally, before we wrap up, a uh, listener feedback. Priscilla Torres uh, said it's a great illustration of the Washington Redskin potatoes. Yeah. Frankly, I like the helmet. Yeah, I like it too. All right. Well, let's move on to... They should relocate to Idaho. Yeah, why not? Or how about Washington? They don't even have to change the name of the city. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I used to actually think that the Washington Redskins played in Washington. Where State. did they play? They played in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. I thought that maybe they played on like a suburb or something. Oh, uh, and they probably play in Virginia or something like that. I don't know. Okay. RFK Stadium, man. 
Anyway, let's move on to our little tiny Matt roll-off. Uh, we're just going to roll 20-sided dice, see who gets to speak first on the podcast this week. And uh, here we go. What do you got, dude? I got a whopping five. Ooh, I got a whopping nine. Mm, 59. Nine to five job right there. All right. Well, uh, so I'm going to start off this week with actually our, our loyal listener from Denver. Uh, he let this cat out of the bag. But uh, Disney, <laughs> Disney and Marvel have made a huge announcement in partnership with Netflix that there's basically going to be a, a Hell's Kitchen series of TV shows followed by a miniseries around Marvel's Defenders. What uh, do you mean Hell's Kitchen? So Hell's Kitchen, it's, it's one of the good things that I like about Marvel. Like the Gordon Ramsay show? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay should be on this show. Actually. I would be way, way more excited if <laughs> Gordon Ramsay was somehow involved. <laughs> you can play Matt Murdock, the Daredevil. Um, so Hell's, one of the things that I like about Marvel... Uh, as opposed to DC, it's like Marvel is kind of your, you know, for the layman comic book fan, Marvel is basically a little bit more real world than DC um, in a lot of ways. So, like, a lot of their guys are based on science. Like, you know, Wolverine is a scientific uh, experiment. You got, uh, you know, of course, Tony Stark. You've got, um, you know, Ant-Man is a scientist. Uh, the Hulk is a scientist. Science Project Gone Wrong. Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider and became Spider-Man. Got bit by a radioactive scientist. Right, exactly. Whereas, Curie bit him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, whereas DC, you have basically like Wonder Woman, who's an Athenian goddess. You have... Right, uh, there's lots of gods in DC. Yeah, and you basically... You got Thor in, in Marvel, but... Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Aquaman's basically a god... Uh, Superman's an alien god. Like they're just all gods in DC. Batman's a god among men. The, yeah, exactly. The other the other part about it is that DC has all these fictional cities, Metropolis, Gotham City, whereas Marvel sets all their stuff in the actual real world uh, for the most part. So uh, you know, New York City is basically the the headquarters of all of the the Marvel stuff or most of it. And and Hell's Kitchen is a specific part of uh, New York. Um, and Owned entirely. By Gordon Ramsay. Exactly. It's one giant theme restaurant. And, uh, <laughs> I would live there. <laughs> there's a lot of yelling. And, uh, and so that's where Daredevil is from. Matt Murdock is, is da- Daredevil. And uh, you know everybody knows and loves the, the, the movie that was released with Matt, Matt Damon. Ben Affleck as Daredevil. Uh, and Colin Farrell is Bullseye, and Jennifer okay, Garner Ben Affleck is... spans the multiverses here. He does. He totally does. He's the common thread between Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, Daredevil is kind of described as a Batman-esque character in the Marvel Universe because he doesn't have, like, a ton of, you know, superpowers. He's, he's a blind guy, and he has, like, supersonic, like, he basically has echolocation. Um, and he's also like a really, bat. yeah, and he's yeah, like a bat, and he's also really good at flying. Now, uh, Murdoch is like a, little, a like a bat. Yeah, Daredevil's <laughs> more like a bat than Batman. Is. He actually totally is. He's way more, and he has like the little horns on his head. Yeah, and uh, but Murdoch is a lawyer, whereas Bruce Wayne is obviously an heir to a giant throne. Anyway, so, so you're saying uh, uh, Matt Murdoch is a blood sucking vermin, <laughs> well, much like a bat, am I right? <laughs> 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 Okay. Anyway, 
<laughs> so uh so Daredevil's kind of the centerpiece to that, but also uh so basically what what the what Netflix and ABC and, and Disney announced was that you're gonna have a thirteen episode run for Daredevil, you're gonna have a thirteen episode run for Luke Cage, who's uh, you know, similarly a guy, you know, from Isn't the streets. The guy from Mortal Kombat? Not that Luke Cage. I think don't they do they have the same name? It's Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage, that's right. So Luke Cage is not. Uh Luke Cage is basically this dude. Um I think he was originally from Harlem, but he was one of the original African American uh superheroes. Um and a lot like Wolverine, he's basically he's pervious. He's got super strength, he's got accelerated healing, uh, but then he's also just a street fighter and he's awesome. Um and then you have uh, Jessica Jones, who actually marries Luke Cage. Spoiler alert. She's going to get her own 13-episode 13, uh, 13 series. She's got flight and superhero strength. She's just like kind of your cool superhero. And then you have Iron Fist, who's basically your kung fu master. Uh, he can concentrate his chi. He's got a superhero-esque uh, chi, basically, that he can... He's got like a... Super accelerated chi that he can use for his super martial arts skills. He also has got some healing ability and stuff like that. So these are definitely lesser known Marvel characters, but basically they're going to do a 13 episode run for each of these four characters, and then they're going to do a mini series event with all four of them as the Defenders. And the Defenders are basically like a de facto Avengers. Like. <laughs> The event, the defenders are kind of like every. The defenders is a really shitty name. It's really dumb. I mean, it 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 kind of takes out like the Avengers is like proactive, whereas the defenders is kind of passive. <laughs> it's definitely reactive. Yeah, totally <laughs> reactive. Avengers is like boom, boom in your face. The defenders is like, all right, we'll we'll hold the line. I hope, uh, I hope at one point they're like, guys, the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> but That's when they get. Active. Exactly. So clear up their skin. But there's in there's crossover between the Defenders and the Avengers in the comics. Uh, Ant-Man's been a Defender. Uh, the Hulk has been a Defender. Uh, your favorite guy, the Submariner, has been a Defender. Namor, oh, the sub- right. Submariner. Um, Silver Surfer's been a, been a Defender. Basically, there's just a ton of Defenders. Um, So, I don't know. They're trying to cash in. They're trying to do like kind of a mini Avengers. And the thing that I like about this is that I think they're kind of breaking new ground here in the way that a show can be made. Um, Instead of using the Marvel model of making four movies and then making a a team-up film, they're making four TV series and then making a team-up (laughs) miniseries. Wow. That's a real bold thinking. Well, (laughs) it's just doing the same thing but with episodics. It is, it is. It's doing, it, but that's that's where the groundbreaking part comes because a, a TV network would never be able to do this. Like, you can't commit to four series <laughs> and a mini series. That would be really funny, right? Coming up next is our two-hour block. <laughs> but but a, but a, but a, an entity like Netflix can do that. Like Netflix is kind of changing the game. It's like yes, we can commit to four individual series and a mini series, and we'll put them all out at the same time, and then people will binge watch the shit out of them. Yeah, like yeah, no, it's it's a lot smarter, mm-hmm. and I think the episodic uh, 
structure lends itself better to uh, comic books because comic books mm-hmm. are short and they're right. episodic. Yeah, and also I like I like the idea of taking advantage of this universe. I know that we, you know, the DC and the Marvel universes are expansive universes. There is so much to draw. As, as one, we can just refer to them as the Affleck verse. Exactly. I like that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really roll off the tongue. The Affleck verse. Affleck verse. I think I think it sounds good. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's so much to draw on, and like, yes, we're already kind of scraping the barrel in the movies because who would have ever thought there'd be two Thor movies? Like ten years ago, they're like, yeah, there's actually going to be two Thor movies, and the villain from the Thor movie is going to be the villain in the Avengers. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm so bored. <laughs> This stinks, dude. I I have two bold predictions right now. Mm -hmm. This Sunday, on Sunday Night Football, will spell the decline and fall of the Peyton Manning Empire. (laughs) One, two. Superheroes are the new zombies. Ten years ago, we were doing zombies or pirates. We're like, all played Mm. out on pirate stuff, all played out on zombie stuff. And I think they're just over playing their hand with all this fucking superhero stuff. Well, I think... So I went and saw Thor The Dark World this past weekend, and... See, you are an enabler. I Well, I am an enabler, and I'm especially an enabler with Thor, because... What did you think about Thor's it? my favorite about Avenger. Um, I really... I quite enjoyed it, honestly. Like, I thought... Uh, I don't know. I I've really kind of gotten over giving negative reviews to stuff. <laughs> I have to. It's like, and and I'm not saying that I'm not like I would I would just like kind of tacitly be like I don't want to talk about it if I didn't like this movie, but I actually really enjoyed this movie and I really like Thor. I like Loki. Like Loki is the most compelling villain in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, um, and I like that it's like Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of like Lord of the Rings fantasy element to it, which I really enjoy. I think what they need to do, they need to put out a movie mm-hmm. that's like the encyclopedia of everything that's going on. Right. So you can understand when you watch the movies, you yeah. can be like, these are this guy's weaknesses, and this is how if you wanted to kill Thor, you could. It's not impossible. <laughs> you just have to do this. And yeah. This is the parameters of all their superpowers. They actually had a, a part in this where, like, because uh, Loki's like, you know, we're gods. We shouldn't be meddling with humans. And Odin was like, we're not gods. We live and die. Like, we just happen to do it over millennials. 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 Uh, but, like, can you, can you shoot him with a gun and he dies? I think so. If you shot Thor in the head with a gun, I bet you he'd die. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I really think See, he would. I don't, I don't know this stuff. He can get his, like, limbs cut off. Yeah? Yeah. But, like, when he got stabbed in the Avengers movie, it was, like, no big deal. Well, he got stabbed. Like I said, you got to shoot him in the head. You got to go for the kill shot with Thor. So they are like zombies. You just have to shoot them all in the head. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, Steve Rogers is the same way. Like, you could, if if you shot Steve Rogers in the head, he'd go down. Even though he's a super soldier, he's still a human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I I think the only guy that I can think of, I mean, is Superman, obviously, and then uh, Wolverine. But I don't know. I think they they play too fast and loose with this stuff. It's like, yeah. Well, Thor, you know, he like <laughs> used his zapping power to zap Iron Man, and oh, it made Iron Man three times more powerful. It's like, <laughs> well, that's I, just this is comic books, man. Uh, like, I, I think don't. that's the other part about this is that 
uh, you know, comic books are fun and comic books are really written for kids. And like, I know that kids grow up and they still want to read comic books and you can have adult themed comic books and that's totally fine. I'm not discounting that by any means, but like the fact of the matter is comic books are written for 14 year olds and like it, yeah. it's you, you comic books are, are tailored toward a, a demographic that's like, yeah, okay. So Thor zaps Tony Stark with uh, with his lightning, and Tony Stark gets four times more powerful. That totally makes sense to me because I'm 14 years old, and I want Tony Stark to punch somebody in the face and make it awesome. Yeah, like and and that's, just that's fair, and just let that be. Like but I don't I don't need four miniseries at once <laughs> of this stuff. I think I'm gonna watch the hell out of this. And there's like eight mo- there's like eight superhero movies a year. Yeah, there's four. There's usually there's like too four. many. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> and then we got Star Wars coming back too. So, uh, yeah. But the other thing that I really like about Thor is that, uh, you know, Thor is basically just like the Norse god. Like I know that they have like an outer space element to it to a certain extent, but like it's like Thor is just is just the Norse Thor, like. And that's it. Like he's just a he's just a Norse god, and and he happens to exist in the same universe with superheroes who are scientifically making themselves awesome. But he's just so with some super creative storytelling elements <laughs> and character building employed when they decided to make him a character. Well, I mean, the thing about Thor is that he, you know, I I can't I don't know exactly when he came in, but I'm sure it was like around the time of like Wonder Woman. Um, or like Aquaman coming into like the fold and Marvel was like, okay, we need one of these gods to be in here because they're public domain and we can basically pick whichever one we want. Oh, they haven't done Norse yet. Let's, uh, let's go with Thor. And then that was it. Yeah. It's a little lazy. It's a little lazy, but whatever, dude. I like Thor. He's my favorite. He's my favorite one because he's Scandinavian and he's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like you, my friend. That's what I'm saying. So, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to binge watch the hell out of this. I actually think it's really cool. I'm excited to see Netflix do this with maybe some stuff outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or superhero realm. Um, but, like, imagine, like, if you have a show like The Walking Dead and instead of doing a spinoff like Better Call Saul, you do a you do four... 13 episode arcs centering on different characters. So Saul has a 13 episode arc and then like Huel has a seven, a 13 episode arc and then skinny Pete has a 13 episode arc and then they can come together for a mini series event and something cool will happen. I don't know. Yeah. It's great. But man, see, that's too much stuff. <laughs> man, this is so much stuff. I, I find it crazy. It's like, okay, a movie, mm, two hours. Okay, mm-hmm. great. We're mm-hmm. going to make this movie. It's going to take you two hours to watch all of it. And then we're going to make this 14-part miniseries in each episode is an hour long. So yeah. we're just going to make a 14-hour long movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm for it personally, but I think you're going into a minimalist phase, Jesse. Yeah, I'm just busy. You're a, you're a minimalist, busy contrarian, and that's why I love you. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> Put that on your business card. Minimalist, uh, busy, contrarian, <laughs> and then in a different font. No, I'm not. <laughs> I think that's too many words since you're so busy. It's just be nope. <laughs> nah. Nah. Not really. Nah. 
Uh-uh. All right, buddy. Well, speaking of contrarian, what are you gonna? What are you going to? Uh, what's what's going to be your rebuttal to my first topic? Well, um, <clears throat> this is gonna. This is one of our geekier episodes. Love it. Because I want to talk about some video games. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. So, uh, gamers should not expect the virtual reality headset Oculus Rift to come to Xbox One or PlayStation 4 anytime soon. It's not going to happen, gamers. <laughs> was, that the, was that last part in the headline? No, that, that was all me. That was the, that was the busy contrarian, if I've yeah. ever heard him. <laughs> So, uh, creator Palmer Lucky told Tech Radar that consoles in general are, quote, too limited for what Oculus VR has planned. Mm. So, um, why don't you give a quick uh, nerd to know on the Oculus Rift, since you're the one on the podcast who's experienced it firsthand. I have, I have experienced it firsthand. So, Oculus Rift uh, it came out, at, I want to say, two years ago now, maybe a year and a half ago. They did a Kickstarter for it. Um for the dev kits, but basically it's a, it's like a pair of ski goggles and you put it on and it's a 3d virtual reality headset. And the thing that sets it apart from like, say the virtual boy of the mid nineties <laughs> is that, uh, as you move your head, it one-to-one moves you around in the environment. So if you turn your head left, it, it's literally like turning your head left in the real world. It's basically what we all wanted when we were playing like Doom, right? In elementary school, and yeah. talking about how cool it would be. Yeah, or like when you're watching First Kid, you know, with Sinbad, and he, <laughs> and then the first kid goes to the mall and and gets in the virtual reality game, and then the guys are trying to kill him, and then Sinbad finds him. What a good movie! First Kid or Blank Check, which is the better? I'm a First Kid guy. See, I'm a Blank Check guy. I thought First Kid was really good. So I looked up this guy, uh, Palmer Lucky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's twenty-one years old, Eric. Palmer Lucky, the creator of Oculus Rift, is twenty-one years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want Palmer Lucky and Andrew Luck to do a podcast called Luck and Lucky. Got where it. They talk about how great it is to be young and rich. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so anyway, they so they have the Oculus Rift. It's it's a 3D headset, but now they have the Oculus Rift Oculus Rift HD, which I got to try out at PAX, which was eerie, dude. Because you put it on, and I'm sure that like everybody will have one. will have one of these in like a couple years, and it won't be as weird. But like you put it on, and I was in a race car sim, and so your hands are on the steering wheel in the race car sim, but my arms are at my sides and my brain had a really hard time understanding which were my arms. <laughs> were, were my arms in the car or were my arms at my sides? It was like this weird thing of like, I, my arms almost became non-existent because they were replaced with the arms in the game. That's crazy. I was it, listening to this podcast and, Again, it's on the Joe Rogan. It was the Joe Rogan podcast, so I take yeah. everything with a grain of salt because everyone's a psycho on that podcast. It's <laughs> like these transhumanists, uh-huh. which are, they're like DIY cyborg dudes. Okay, and they like they install these tiny magnets in their fingers. Uh huh. And 
it allows you to like feel when there's like an electromagnetic field nearby. Okay. And you just like sense it because it, your neuroplasticity builds like new neural pathways between what's happening and what you're feeling. So like literally you just feel when there's like uh electromagnetic fields around you. Uh-huh. And it, it's like a a tingling bubbly kind of feeling in your fingers. Yikes. But anyway, maybe you could implement that, and then right. you know where your arms are. Hopefully. Something so, like that. So, <laughs> Lucky said, consoles are too limited for what we want to do. We're trying to make the best virtual reality device in the world. We want to continue to innovate and upgrade every year. Continue making progress internally, and whatever. whenever we make big jumps, we want to push that to the public. So basically, what's happened is he's looked at this eight-year life cycle right. the last console generation was like mm-hmm. no we don't want to have to wait eight years before there's new hardware that we can implement the next iteration of oculus rift so it sounds like i don't know if it'll ever come to the console well the question here is i mean yes this is the eight year life cycle of the ps4 and the xbox 360 but they did uh upgrade each of those systems halfway through their life cycle yeah that's true and the other part about this is, you know, a lot of people are saying, is this the last console generation? Is the Xbox One and the PS4 the last uh, console generation? Why um, would it be? Because, well, there's a couple of trains of thoughts here. First of all is that everybody's going to move to more... Like, why would you need a console if you can get a similar experience that is... Um, if if you get a similar experience that is as easy to use in a in a downloadable PC platform, I mean I think the way of the disc game is going to be gone in like two to three years. Yeah, but I I think there'll still be consoles. Well, the, in, in the fact that a console is, you'll still be able to download everything and it'll right. be cloud storage and stuff, and there won't be discs, but it'll just right. be a little easy computer for you to yeah. So uh, we're not, but. I think that those those little easy computers will will be different than the console generations we see today. Like people are predicting that the Xbox and the PlayStation, this could be the last iteration of them. Uh, I doubt that very much. Okay, <laughs> it's all just speculation. I heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast. So, um, it's <laughs> so bullshit. Yeah. So um, they're saying Oculus Rift not planned for consoles, but apparently mm-hmm. Microsoft and Sony are both working on their own virtual reality headsets for their yeah. uh, respective equipment. I hadn't known that. Actually, Sony rolled out their VR headset at a recent Tokyo Tech show, and oh, yeah? it had the price tag of over $1,000. Oh, God. Oh, nice. And that's one of the things about the Oculus Rift is uh, they haven't priced out the HD ones yet. $19.99. But, but, Billy, yeah. May, Billy May said nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. But don't wait, there's more. I also get a slap chop. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That, though that comes with your with your sham wow. Don't don't try to operate the slap chop while o- operating the Oculus Rift. Yeah, the the that is dangerous. <laughs> the slap chop peripheral is really dangerous, guys. <laughs> we like the Oculus Rift, but the slap chop peripheral is really bad. In fact, the Oculus Rift won't fire up until you have the safety device installed on the slap chop. <laughs> exactly. They're Bluetooth linked, so they know. <laughs> so they haven't priced out the HD uh, Oculus Rifts yet, but the dev kit one that was released on Kickstarter was only $300, which is basically the price of like a high-quality monitor. 
Um, right. So, I mean... Man, so why is the PlayStation 1 so cool that it's so damn expensive? I think because it's... Uh, first of all, there's nothing to use it on yet. I mean, it would basically be... You need to make your own firmware for it. And then, second of all, uh, they're just trying to get something on the market, dude. I don't know. Make and, and, you know, Oculus Rift, if they can make a consumer price product... That is that cool. I mean, I I definitely want a Rift. After wearing one, I want one so bad. Yeah. They're sweet. It'd be so stupid for me to buy one. I'd just be playing retro games on it. (laughs) FTL. (laughs) Or XCOM, the original XCOM. But somebody mods those games so that they they work with the peripheral. I mean, that'd be cool. Like, first-person Mario. Yeah. It's scary. I don't know if I need that. Probably not. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that this Steam Machine revolution is is pretty cool. I mean, that Steam controller is really cool. And uh, I bet you that the that the Oculus Rift will work with the Steam Machines. So, uh, Speaking of controllers, mm-hmm. you know how the Xbox 360 wired controllers? Uh-huh. It's like a wire that plugs into a tiny wire that plugs into your Xbox. Right. Uh, mine went missing. Mm-hmm. I blame Russell Nisha. So I'm thinking about buying a new controller. I'm wondering if I should buy a PlayStation 3 controller or if I should hold off for the Steam controller because well, I, I have no idea when that could be. Yeah, I mean, I would get a PS4 controller. The DualShock. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, what those I meant. are those are available now. And they're supposed to be pretty legit. Yeah, a lot of people are saying they're the best controller that's ever been made. However, I'm guessing that those people are PlayStation people because <laughs> the one thing that the PlayStation controllers have always I, I just don't like the thumbsticks. They're too loosey-goosey. Yeah, they, they kind of stink. They're really bad thumbsticks, but apparently the the DualShock... Are we turning into Blue Yonder right now? Oh, move on. Oh, go to man. break. Go Let's, to break. <laughs> Let's go to break, guys. All right, it's time for some trivia. We're just going to do Genus 1, a trivial pursuit like we do each and every week. I'm going to roll a six-sided die to see which category we're doing now. And... Ooh, five, Science and Nature. All right. This is geeky. <laughs> All right, Jesse, this question's for you. Please my second po- topic doesn't get any better either. Yeah. Just my, warning you. Mine might be marginally a little more mainstream, but not much more. Okay, Jesse, this question is for you. Please play along at home. What fraction... Ugh, what fr- <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, man, puberty is awesome, guys. <laughs> I just want to say puberty is legitimate. Um, <laughs> that sounded really weird. That's a strange sound bite. Okay. What fraction of an iceberg shows above the water? Um, I will say one one hundredth. I'm going to say one tenth. One ninth? Are you joking? <laughs> Are you joking? One ninth. So get out of here with this one ninth. <laughs> One-ninth. That's the type of... Some of these trivial pursuit questions aren't about, like, can you actually answer this? It's more like, hmm, now you know. <laughs> exactly. That is just one that, like, they're like, well, fuck these guys. <laughs> the guys were writing all these questions. They're like, fuck these guys. One-ninth. Uh, all right. This question's for <clears throat> me. Uh, what's the common name of the vegetable beta? Vulgaris. Beta vulgaris. I'm going to go with a beet. I'll say a carrot because I like beta carotene. A beetroot. Mm. 
Technically, that's incorrect. What the hell? I'm what kidding. the hell? I'm kidding. You take it. That's a beat, right? Yeah, a beat yeah. And a beat is. root are the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I just feel like the... It's the same plan, for sure. The Trivial Pursuit guys are really trying to just mess with us at this point. <laughs> we found their ruse. I heard it 30 years later. We got them, boys. <laughs> All right. Jesse, this question's for you. Please play along at home. What is the term for an organism that lives on or in another? Um, a parasite? There you go. You got it, parasite. On or in? All right, Jesse. I need this one for the win. This question's for me. Which is larger? The U.S. Oh, that we will definitely have a, a winner on this question. Which is larger? The U.S. or British fluid ounce? The U.S. or British fluid ounce is for me. I'm going to go everything's bigger in Texas, baby. I'm going U.S. on this one. Guess, guess I'm a British man. All right. And the answer is... right. No, the answer is the U.S., baby. Oh. Of course ours is bigger. We're the U.S., man. Oh, yeah, but, like, they have, like, the Imperial Pint. That's, that's true. Like 20 ounces instead of 16. The oh, metric no. ton. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do, man? The nautical the mile? <laughs> Imperial knots. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, for my second topic, uh, I don't think this really fits into any category. It's actually something I read on Facebook. Tusked whales, narwhals, the unicorns of the sea. Status updates. Extra, extra, Reddit. Facebook. Reddit. Facebook. And that's the way it is. Did you say Pokemon? It said poke it on. Poke it on. Pokemon was the worst Pokemon knockoff. Uh, all right. Uh, so I read this. Or the best, depending. Depending. On your perspective. Depending so, on who got poked. Uh, so this is something that was in Tufts Magazine from Tufts University. Um, actually, a really interesting article. You know, we've talked about this before, about how the United States of America is really kind of is is becoming so crazily different depending on where you are in the country. Like we're becoming such a polarized society that like if you are smoking marijuana uh on a park bench in Boulder, Colorado, people probably aren't going to mess with you. If you do the same thing in uh Las Vegas, it is a felony and you will go to prison. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I feel like the United States is pretty homogenous. I feel like There's an idea everywhere. There is an IKEA everywhere, but that's that's this is pervasive culture. Yeah, the stores are one thing, but the the cultural difference is pretty different. I mean, if you're living in Seattle, Washington, you're basically living in a different country than Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, dude, I think if you go to like 1860, it's radically different between Seattle, Washington, and Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. I don't know about that. I think we're more homogenous than ever as Americans. Hmm. I I don't know if I would agree with that, but I mean, if you're, I think that part of this is the wealth gap. I mean, if you are in Birmingham, Alabama, and you're in Seattle, Washington, in the 1860, the wealth gap is a lot smaller than it is now. I think that that does have an impact on it. I and, don't know, but at the same time, you have like Andrew Carnegie, right? I mean, there was a huge wealth gap back then. Yes, but it wasn't 
Yeah. Or I mean, or let's let's go let's stick in Birmingham and let's go mm. to eighteen forty. You're a plantation owner or you're a slave and you're on the set you live in the same right. property. Yes, that is obviously <laughs> That's, obviously, That's a pretty significant. It is a significant, but I'm talking about geographical dif- dis- differences. And if in that time, I mean, literally the North and South were so different that they decided that the South decided to become their own country. Right. You're proving my point that now we are much more homogenous than we were. Yeah, I I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I honestly don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that anyway, there are certain places that are let's, let's completely different. Let's see if, if the article can clear things up. Well, no. So this article basically kind of takes that argument, especially from a religious front, too. Uh, you know, if and basically looks at it from the perspective of when the thirteen colonies were established. Um, you know, during the sixteen seventeen hundreds. Um, I guess it was probably all in the seventeen hundreds, wasn't it? Maybe some in sixteen. Yeah, like Georgetown. Anyway. Uh, but when the 13 colonies were established, they were mostly established based on religious differences. Um, and you can actually still see this to the, till today. Um, you know, places like if you look at the Ivy League colleges, it kind of tells you what the uh, what the the rating de- denomination in those areas were. So you had like the Quakers are in Pennsylvania and then you had like the Presbyterians found in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. uh, and so. There was a writer here from Tufts University who basically decided to take a look at the way that the U.S. is split up right now uh, from a ideological perspective and and basically divide the country up into a series of countries, which mm. I think is pretty interesting. Based um, on religion, uh, based on religion, but also just based on like basic ideology. Ah, um, so uh. So these are the American nations today. And the person who wrote this article was Colin Woodard. Uh, so, first of all, there's Yankeedom. Yankeedom stretches from... Worst name for a country Yeah, th- I, these could definitely get some better country, country names. But uh, Yankeedom is basically... How about Metstum? Love it. <laughs> so it's, it's New England, and then it kind of wraps around... Uh, Lake Erie into Michigan, and then incorporates also Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, Love it. Yep. Yankeedom has, since its outset, put a great emphasis on perfecting earthly civilization through social engineering, denial of self for the common good, and assimilation of outsiders. Its prized education, intellectual achievement, the common good... Oh, uh, intellectual achievement, communal empowerment, and broad citizen participation in politics and government. So, I don't know, man. I've seen some of the fatties at the Green Bay games. I don't think they're depriving <laughs> themselves of anything. Well, I don't know about I don't know about Wisconsin about this because you have like the whole uh, you know uh, who's the governor of Wisconsin? Um, anyway. Big cheese. Yeah, the big cheese. <laughs> then you have New Netherland, and New Netherland is basically just New York City. Uh, <laughs> Uh, New Netherland has always been global commercial culture, materialistic with profound tolerance for ethnic and religious diversity, and an unflinching commitment to the freedom of inquiry and conscience. So that's New York for you. Then you have there the... like giant uh, race gang wars in New York. I don't think so. I mean, or was gangs of New York entirely made up? I actually don't know. No, the gangs of New York was, but you do realize gangs of New York was set in like the 1800s during the <laughs> during Tammany Hall. This is yeah. this is all based on current stuff. Oh, this is all current. 
Okay, got you. So this is as if the colonies were established today. Okay, got you, got you, got you. So then you have the Midlands. Yeah, Lady Gaga lives there, so. Mm -hmm. Then you have pretty legit place. Then you have the Midlands. So the Midlands is kind of this like cut through the Rust Belt. So it includes places like Northern Indiana, Northern Ohio, Northern Northern Illinois. Um, and then stretches into parts of like northern Missouri and in and, and uh, eastern Nebraska, but basically kind of this thin strip that cuts through the Rust Belt. Uh, the Midlands, America's great swing region, was founded by English Quakers who believed in humans' inherent goodness and welcomed people to many nations and creeds of their own utopian colonies, like Pennsylvania and the shores of Delaware Bay. Bay. <laughs> so basically, this is the Rust Belt. It kind of incorporates Philadelphia in there. Um, up next, we got Tidewater, and basically Tidewater is uh, the coasts of Virginia and North Carolina um, and uh, and around the Chesapeake Bay there. Is it the Ch- yeah, the Chesapeake. Uh, built by the younger sons of southern English gentry in the Chesapeake country, the neighboring sections of Delaware and North Carolina, Tidewater is meant to reproduce the, sem- the semi-feudal society of the countryside they'd left behind. Standing in for peasantry were indentured servants and later slaves. Tidewater places high value and respect for authority and tradition and very little on equality or public participation in politics. It was the most powerful of the American nations in the 18th century, but today it is in decline partly because it was cut off from westward expansion by boisterous Appalachian neighbors and more recently because it has been eaten away by the expanding federal halos around D.C. and Norfolk. It's really interesting. It kind of so it kind of incorporates the full history of the region. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go through a few of these other ones. We got Greater Appalachia, which is basically everything from North Texas to Tennessee to Southern Indiana to Kentucky to Eastern North Carolina to Northern Alabama. Basically, what I like to call the dead weight states. The dead. These are the Jacksonian states, man. This is the <laughs> land true. of Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, right below that, you got the Deep South. Which uh, basically is, you know, the South. You got Alabama, Mississippi. You got uh, Northern Florida, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, and that's your Deep South, established by English slaves, lords from Barbados. Deep South was meant was meant as a West Indies style slave society. This nation offered a version of classical republicanism modeled on the slave states of the ancient world, where democracy was a privilege of the few and enslavement of the natural. Lot of the many. In case in caste systems uh, smashed by outside intervention, it continues to fight against expanded federal powers, taxes on capital and the wealthy, and environmental labor and consumer regulations. This is your Bible Belt, basically. <laughs> uh, the, then we have El Norte, which is basically uh, uh, n- northern Mexico into uh, southern California, southern Arizona, southern Texas, and southern new mexico um you have the left coast which is awesome creative 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 stuff there guys the left coast is uh northern california all the way up to Juneau, alaska and uh, stopping at the cascade mountains um what else we got through cascadia exactly it's cascadia uh then we got new france which is basically just the uh, the (laughs) delta Uh, You have the Far West, which is the flyover states. Um, New France also includes Quebec, so it's a a split territory. And then you have, uh, and then finally, you have uh, part of the Spanish Caribbean, the the southern tip of of Florida. So basically this, 
it basically takes a look at kind of the 13 colonies. If we hadn't all assimilated together into a single nation, what might we look like today? It's really an interesting read. And I, I think that it really does kind of show these crazy differences that you find in this country. And, you know, Jesse, I understand that you, what you're saying when you say that we may all be different, but we're still Americans. Um, and I, there's definitely truth in that, but I think that there are some crazy differences between regions in the United States. It's just a huge freaking country, man. Yeah. It's a gigantic, ginormous country. Yeah. It makes me wonder like <clears throat> how homogenous is like your Russia or your China. Yeah. Are, are the differences between regions there more or less than the difference between like a Washington and a, uh, we keep going back to Alabama. Right. Well, it, the interesting thing about it as well is that if I don't Alabama, know, Alabama, the opposite of Washington, <laughs> Washington, the opposite of Alabama. Take, take that for what is. Take that how you will. <laughs> um, I mean, the other part of that is, I would be, I would venture to guess that. I mean, I don't, I don't even know about the post-Soviet republics and how they all got split up after the Berlin Wall fell. But I would assume that you have to look at a geographical space. So obviously, there's much more of China that is inhabitable than there is of a country like Russia. And you look mm-hmm. at a country like Canada. Second largest country in the world by geographic area. However, ninety uh, percent of the of the uh, inhabitants live within uh, you know a couple hundred miles of the border. So it's like everybody's crammed down in one geographic region, which Waiting. kind of assimilates plotting the, exactly which biding kind of, their time. Which I think might assimilate the culture a little more. I don't know if there are vast cultural differences between Manitoba and British Columbia. Um, well, I think so because I mean you have. Uh, French-speaking separatists on one coast. But I think Quebec is kind of its own deal. Man, I really need to do a tour of Canada. Dude, Montreal sounds awesome. Everybody says Montreal is the best. I want to go to Newfoundland. Apparently it's just wacky over there. Dude, Newfoundland is kind of... Like, the weather's horrific. Yeah, well, it's not great here in Washington. (laughs) You'll say that now. I don't want to live there. I just want to visit. Yeah, I would actually... I want to go to Labrador. See what's happening there, Prince Edward what, Island. What is that? Labrador, man. Prince Edward Island and Labrador. Where do you think that Labrador one? Retrievers come from, man? I don't know. Space? It's all they on... told me space on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Basically. It said Sasquatch ate a bunch of magic mushrooms and then telepathically communicated with aliens <laughs> and they gave us Labradors. Basically, Canada was like, all right, every province is going to be fucking huge, except for these little <laughs> islands. These tiny <laughs> islands are their own province. Okay? It's funny. Back how... off the little islands. You have your giant your giant manifest, province. Manifest Destiny is lazy. It's super lazy. <laughs> you have New England. Or they're all crammed in there. And then the further and further west you go, they get bigger and bigger. And they get your Texas, like, bam, right. California, huge. <laughs> and then you, you top it all off with Alaska. Just yeah. fucking all Alaska, one giant thing. Like, we can't be bothered to separate this up. Just all of it. Just, Just all, all of it. Just one all one of state. It. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised Hawaii isn't just part of Alaska. <laughs> I think mean, no. just extend the ar- archipelago. Where are you going? Alaska. Which part? Uh, yeah. The sunny I mean, part. Yeah, oh, I hear it's really nice. famine in Alaska. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, J-Dog, what's your second topo? So for my second topo, I want to talk about science. Yep. 
Uh, here it is. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Great Scott. Great Scott. Sorry, that sound bite just cracks me up every time. I love it. It's it, what the it... hell is he talking about? <laughs> It's completely logical, and everyone knows it. Can we make a two-headed dog with six? I don't think. I don't. That's the whole premise of his argument. I know the assumption is so wonderful. Like, of course. Oh, if God. today, and I say yes. So, oh. um, I couldn't find one science topic that was worthy of its own discussion. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna do the lightning round. Let's do it, man. Just, we'll run through some headlines here. I call it the and- Thor round. I bet, to be super scientific. So 8.8 billion planets could potentially support life Mm -hmm. in our galaxy. In the galaxy. According to usnews.com, scientists use data from 42,000 stars that NASA's Kepler spacecraft observed to estimate the existence of billions of Earth-like planets within habitable or Goldilocks zones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where it's close enough to a sun... It's got uh, a good size, and it right. could support liquid life, meaning water, right, and so on. So I always hate four- that term, by the way, the Goldilocks zone. I love it. Why? Because Venus, because like Venus is too goddamn hot, and Mars is too cold. Yes, but you know what happened but to Goldilocks at the end of Goldilocks? Right? She got eighty six. Eighty six by the bears. They they showed up and then they were like, "You need to get out of our zone." You know, so basically, it's all a metaphor for how we need to leave Earth. <laughs> I think it's more of a metaphor for if we try to go to another planet, we're going to get kicked off by who's ever there. By bears. Or but like Avatar. We have to go with swords and guns. Swords and guns and goats. So up. <laughs> of those uh, forty two thousand stars, six hundred three had planets orbiting them. O- though only 10 of those planets appeared to be Earth-like in size. And maybe right now you're like, what? That's mm-hmm. not, you said you said billions. That's only 10. Right. But when you do the math mm-hmm. and take the sample from those 42,000 stars and apply them to the 20 billion sun-like stars in our galaxy alone, <laughs> about one in five stars altogether, which, god damn, that's a lot of stars. God damn. There's an estimated 8.8 billion planets that could uh, potentially support life. And in appar- our galaxy. And apparently the closest one is only 12 light years away, I believe. Yeah, that's like nothing. It's If we've mastered the speed of light, you could conceivably do that. Yeah, very easily. I mean, all we gotta years, do is master no the speed deal. of light. That's like how long it takes to get your doctorate. Exactly, dude. Like, I don't even remember. Like, if you asked me to relive the last, the first 12 years of my life, I literally could maybe remember, like, three days of it that's a good point we should just put babies on these ftl ships exactly man (laughs) they don't remember the first 12 years anyway yeah they'd be good for like the first five or six even (laughs) i feel like i kind of just slipped into a aaron draw Mm, that's a good draw i've been listening to a lot of breaking good so oh there you go yeah he has an infectious accent yep that that uh, Midwest, what would you call it? The Hoosier accent? The Hoosier drawl? Wait, the Kentucky Colonel. Yep. Yeah, Roger Dossie has it as well. 
Yeah, it's but not just Indiana. It's Kentucky. Well, but Indiana and Kentucky are, are best friends. They're BFFs. They're like little yeah. Lego pieces. They click into that's, each other. That's true. Yeah. Speaking of clicking into each other, uh, mm-hmm. this is an actual headline. Hyenas Facebook each other with their arses. Fact. Fact. You've been poked. So, <laughs> researchers from Michigan State University examined uh, the Ponji. Mm-hmm. Are we getting into a Geordie dialect here? The Ponji bacteria hyenas <laughs> leave behind whenever they smear their sec- secretions or paste mm-hmm. on a tree, plants, or grass stalk. This yep. the excre- excretions contain. Friendly microbes, which emit smells, which serve as messages for other hyenas to interpret. Yeah. Quote, the sour-smelling signals relay realms of information. Wow, this is alliterative. For other animals to read, said Kevin Theus, an MSU uh, postdoctoral <laughs> researcher. Hyenas can leave a quick, detailed message and go. It's like a bulletin, bulletin board of who's around and how they're doing. <laughs> This is all with their poop glands. They're using their anal glands to do this. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, we 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 have this to a certain extent because mm-hmm. if you know someone real well, you can sniff out which one of their farts. Oh yeah, like, who farted in yeah. a room? I know which. I know what your farts smell like. There's signature farts. I know what your farts smell like, and I know what my sister's farts smell like. <laughs> really, Levi's are very distinct. I I also uh, feel <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about this. I also <laughs> feel like with my sister's farts, and I know that we're family, but I feel like I'm almost able to mask my fart so that it smells like her fart. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like clench a certain way? I don't know, man. I just feel like when I'm around <laughs> my sister and I fart, it kind of smells like her fart. I wonder if the hyenas, when they leave one of their fart messages, do you think they ever lie? Oh, yeah. It, it's, they said it's like Facebook, dude. Like, 90% of the stuff is bullshit. <laughs> and then the other 10% the is ads. Where, like, on Facebook, you know, it, it's leading to depression because people only post the good stuff. So right. you hear about your peers doing all this great stuff, and then right. you're like, oh, why don't I do good stuff? <laughs> So hyenas are suffering from fart envy out there. Fart envy, man. It happens. It's a fact. Shit happens, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So um, a rare Asian unicorn was caught on camera in a Vietnam jungle. Legitimate. The World Wildlife Fund, or WWF, mm-hmm. oh, made an yeah. exciting announcement on November 12th. The Sayola, one of the most endangered mammals on the planet, was mm-hmm. photographed using a remote camera trap in the jungle mm-hmm. of Vietnam. The photograph is the first time the animal was imaged in its natural environment in the 21st century. Yeah, remote uh, remote camera trap is the name of my EDM band. <laughs> I don't know what EDM means. Electronic dance music, bro! Oh, sorry. Sorry. So here's the thing. I was like, Asian unicorn. I gotta check this out. Yeah. I looked at some photos of it. And it had two corn, two horns. What? So uh, yeah, they go on to say, although the sayola resembles an antelope, the animal is actually a cousin of common cattle, called the Asian unicorn because it is so seldom seen. Aww. It's identified by two parallel horns with sharp ends, which can reach up to fifty inches in length. Um. Okay. So that's a misnomer. Misleading. I feel like we need a different name. Totally. How about the Asian the, unicorn? How about the Asian duo horn? Yeah, the bicorn. The bicorn. We're done. 
Finished it, not misleading. Oh, you can even okay, call so it the rare, the rare Asian bike horn if you want. I, I saved the best for last. Okay. It's got all your favorite things. Got it. It's got uh, it's got science. Word. It's got the DIY uh, attitude. Got it. And it's got Scandinavian people. Excellent. And it also includes um, unleashing huge amounts of powerful energy on your foes. There you go. In fact, I think we might have a thorn in the making here. A Swedish man arrested on charges of unauthorized possession of nuclear material mm -hmm. after trying to split atoms in his kitchen mm -hmm. says he was only doing it as a hobby. <laughs> Richard Handel said he had the radioactive elements uh, uh, radium, americum, and uranium in his flat in southern Sweden when the police showed up. He said on Wednesday... He had always been interested in physics and chemistry and, quote, just wanted to see if it was possible to split atoms at home. <laughs> Handel oh kept a blog God. about his experiments, describing how he created a small meltdown on his stove. Only later did he realize it might not be legal and sent a question to Sweden's radiation authority, which oh sent the police. This, this guy is, like... So Scandinavian, it's ridiculous. He narked on it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, I have an alien wrench, so I'm pretty qualified. <laughs> I love it, dude. So if convicted, he faces up to two years in prison, which nice. I don't think he deserves. Sure, he made a he made a mistake, but um, he narked himself out. That's great, but he also he lives in an apartment. He doesn't live in a house, which means that he potentially <laughs> he exposed either. all of his neighbors to radiation poisoning. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, that's that's kind of a dick move. Dumb mistake, maybe. Bad cancer, bad for everyone in your apartment complex. Mm, I think two years is fits the crime there. But I mean, what's the likelihood is going to recommit? I think he learned his lesson. Uh, that's true. That's true. It Hell, would be purely punitive. Like, I'm sure in Scandinavia, they'll be like, your punishment is you have to attend this doctoral program right. now. Exactly. We in have radiology. To, we have to enroll you in the Nobel Prize uh, Academy. Yeah, exactly. Sir. It's the same slap on the wrist we gave Obama. <laughs> he hasn't showed up for classes yet, though. We're feeling a little snubbed. It's been busy. Yeah. So that's it. That's my lightning round of science. Love it, dude. Lightning round. <laughs> anyway. Uh, brought to you by Thor. Now in theaters. Thor in the Dark World. <laughs> All right. I, well, wish we that. It, I wish we had that ad. Let's move on to uh, our Facebook roundup. But before we do, we want to talk to you about the Bald Move Network right now. Watching Dead is now up on baldmove.com. Uh, covering all of your Walking Dead stuff, we also. Oh, speaking of earlier, mm -hmm. when you're talking about uh, maybe doing a story, a multi-part story arc about Better Call Saul. Yep. You said it was a spinoff of Walking Dead. Oh no! <laughs> Which I got a kick out of. I like I like Saul in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> I actually kind of love that too. I bet you he could like manipulate himself into being some kind of like governor of like a township or something. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um. So uh. So anyway, we got uh, Watching Dead is now uh, up on BaldMove.com. We've also got the Because Show, ladies down in uh Los Angeles, talking about everything that you want, ladies in Los Angeles, to talk about. And then we also have Up Yours Downstairs, which is 
uh, all of your Edwardian needs. If it's on PBS and it's from Britain, they're going to talk about it. So get all your TV stuff on baldmove.com, guys. Uh, and then if get in touch with us. Uh, you can write us an email, personalergates at gmail.com. You can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. You can follow us. We are on the Facebook page of Bald Move. We're also on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. There's two of them, so like them both. Um, also, uh, we're on Twitter at Personal Podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes, and you can tell your friends about us. And there's a lot of ways to uh, spread the word. So uh, we always appreciate getting your listener feedback. And speaking of listener feedback, each week we do the Facebook Roundup, where we ask you to give us some topics to gab about on Facebook, and we gab about them all. Starting off right now with Sean Keefe says, what do you think about the untapped social media network? Jesse, have you heard about this? I have, and I have it on my uh, iPod Touch mm-hmm. deal, but yep. I haven't actually used it yet. It's interesting. People say it's cool. There's a lot of – so John Dominic on here says, I love Untapped. It's a great way to discover new beers and keep tabs on what you drink and how you liked it. People often ask me uh, what I think about a certain beer, and it can be hard to remember sometimes, especially if I sampled it at a festival with a few dozen others. With Untapped, I can quickly and easily retrieve my rating and notes for any particular beer from the database. Untapped also encourages you to diversify your palate by trying different styles and venues through badges. A few casts ago, Sam Golmahamadi uh, asked how to become a craft beer connoisseur. Untapped is a great tool for newbies to learn and enhance the experience for all. Just don't use it for nefarious hipster purposes. Well, early recommendation from John Dominic. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Untapped sounds awesome. I, I kind of want to be a part of this. Um, up next, we got uh, from Tanner. says, Jesse, I saw a picture of you casking a beer at home. Were you casking a beer at home? Well, uh, it was it was actually the that barrel age I made for my wedding. Oh, yeah. He says this is a good alternative to avoid doing a ton of bottling at home. And if you don't want to have the gas set up at home, is it difficult? Have you... uh, my answer is no. It's not a good alternative. Yeah. Because as soon as you tap it, you got you got to drink the whole thing, <laughs> or it goes flat. Yeah. And um, it gets warm too. So like, especially don't try and do it in the summer. You mm-hmm. can maybe get away with it in the winter, but just do gas. Just do the gas setup at home. It's so nice. It's real easy, and it tastes great, and it lasts forever. Um, Michael says, thinking of starting an M's podcast, Eric, any advice, any interest in guest hosting, uh, in a guest hosting gig from time to time, I would love to guest host on a Mariners podcast. I can always talk M's baseball. And my advice for anybody out there who's trying to start a podcast is just be consistent guys. Like if you're going to release a podcast, you got to do it on a consistent basis or you got to quit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jesse and I have been doing this podcast for three and a half years. I think we missed two episodes on that whole time. Frame? Yeah, we've been more or less consistent. Pretty damn consistent. Every goddamn week we're gabbing in your ears. So uh, just, just be consistent. Be choose a better team to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that might that might uh, that might be a good idea. Uh, John, our good buddy from Boston, says, uh, "What's each of your biggest regrets?" <laughs> because I'm really <laughs> regretting uh, weekday drinking today at work. And uh, John, I think we might have heard your weekday drinking at 3 a.m. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's always a big regret is being hung over at work. I did that once and I realized that's never going to, that can't happen anymore. That's like the worst thing in the world. Being hung One of my over biggest work. regrets is not getting a chemistry degree. I was, it was like uh 51, 49 mm-hmm. uh, between history and chemistry. Went with history. 
could have done that. Should have definitely should have done that chem degree. Yeah, then you could start kicking the cooking the blue stuff. Yeah, exactly. I All right. <laughs> Ryan says since GOMRB has been forced into retirement, thoughts of having a brief football segment on personal arguments. I think we kind of do a brief football segment every week. You know, it might be fun if we did like a post credits football mm. gab. Well, football Maybe gab. Keep it to like ten minutes. Yeah, football gab. We'll put that one on the burner. James Patterson says, now that you've embraced Borderlands 2, have you played the Assault on Dragon Keep? So much D&D fan service. Also, the Padres AAA team in El Paso, Texas, renamed themselves the Chihuahuas. I think it's great both personally and geographically, both for personality and geography. Uh, thoughts on the name and Chihuahuas in general? <laughs> Finally, more winter seasonal recos, please. I love Snowcap even this year's. Yeah, like I said, Terminal Gravity... Uh, pick that up if you could find it. Uh, I love I love minor league baseball teams because they always have the weirdest names, dude. And I think the Chihuahuas is an awesome name. Yeah, okay. great name. Not a great dog. Not a great dog. No, barely a, a dog. Name. Barely a dog. Uh, Levi, go with Chupacabras. Yeah, Chupacabras would have been sweet, man. Uh, Levi Levi Jetty. Who's this guy? Said so I could potentially. Get a kegerator on the cheap, but I don't know if I can go through a keg fast enough. How long is beer good in a keg, Jesse? Uh, depends on the beer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for a while, you know, uh, three months okay. or so. But you don't. You also don't have to buy a whole size keg. You yeah, can get, get a, a quarter pony. barrel or a six barrel. Mm-hmm. Get six barrels, just over five gallons. You can go through that in a couple weeks. Yeah, because you really don't want to drink the same beer for three months. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a, a half barrel is thirteen and a half or fifteen and a half barrel, mm-hmm. uh, gallons, and that's a lot. That's the a same lot. style, unless you get like something that you can drink a ton of every mm-hmm. day, like a light lager or mm-hmm. session ale or something. Yeah, but yeah, get it, but and then just get the smaller size kids. There you go. Uh, Rob Zip says, "Talk about how much you love me in a dude bro way, dude bro, dude." I would, I would say how much I love you in a dude bro way, but really, Rob, I don't love you in a dude, dude bro way. I love you in a little bit more than a dude, dude bro way. I think dude, love the Ren Fair posts. Both know what we're talking about. Plus, Rob Zip and Friends podcast definitely love that in more than a dude bro way. Uh, John Dominic bro. says, oh, Levi, don't buy a kegerator. Buy a keezer. Build a keezer, he says. Build a keezer. Do you know what a keezer is? Yeah, you take a freezer... And they're actually better, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're getting the aforementioned six barrels. It's basically you uh, you get a freezer and then you take it off at the hinges and then uh, like put a wood kind of segment and then put the top back on, rehinge mm-hmm. it. And then you can drill through the wood segment right. and put your handles there. And that way you can have like four different... Um, kegs and Ooh. four taps and have a wide variety and <laughs> that way you're not gonna you're not gonna get burned out on just having one salad no keezers are cool if i was gonna make one i would definitely definitely go keezer keezer sounds cool but it also sounds like you need a lot of space for a keezer well a kegerator takes it's it probably takes up twice as much space as a kegerator hmm interesting i don't know but i've been to like levi's four apartment times as many Oh, they're both good, especially if it's a good kegerator. Oh, yeah. I've seen some good-ass kegerators that have, like, a tower with three handles on it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. For a pretty small footprint. Oh, yeah, totally, over at uh, Dan's house. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then finally we got Josh Ego says, It was 18 degrees when I woke up this morning, so I figured that was cause enough to buy my first winter seasonal. You know what they say, if you can't beat winter, drink winter beers. And I think that's Damn, a good model to live by. Rough. Dude, 18 degrees, like, it literally never gets that cold in Seattle. I'm, we're so spoiled. It doesn't drop below 30, and it doesn't get above 80. Right. When I was in, uh, one year I was in Boise during the winter time, and, you know, we were driving by the bank uh, at night, and, you know, the banks always have the temperature gauge out, and it was, like, 13 degrees, and I was like, I have literally never been in weather this cold before in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh, guys thanks for the Facebook roundup time to move on to some recommendations Jesse you got any recos this week yeah um, I've been watching rewatching Firefly it's a pretty good show you, pretty if good you show. haven't heard you can get it on Netflix and stream it Excellent. and binge watch it in between your episodes of Daredevil mm-hmm. and Axe Cop there you go. Speaking of uh, speaking of Netflix so I, we've made this confession before that I, I never really watched Breaking Bad but now that the series is over and I can binge watch the entire thing, Lydia and I have been tearing through this series with gnashing teeth. It is the most amazing thing in the world. I love Breaking Bad so much. In fact, I'm kind of with Jim in that it is probably the most entertaining show that I've ever seen. So if you've been waiting up to this point to watch Breaking Bad, you can watch the thing on Netflix and just tear through it. It is an amazing, 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 amazing show. So Breaking Bad. Any, your second you record? Oh, Rainier beer. Drinking it, loving it. Mm-hmm. Classic. Washington zone, sort of. And now they got the Rainier R back up in Seattle. Did you hear about that? I did. I love it. I haven't seen it yet because I don't go to South Seattle, but but they, apparently it's back up. And then, <laughs> finally, uh, you know, I talked about it before, EDM, electronic dance music. Uh, our good buddy John over in uh, Boston uh, really likes his stuff, and I was watching this uh, video on Reddit, and it was like a time-lapse video, and it had this awesome like dance music song to it. So I looked through the comments to see if anybody said who the artist was, and it was this artist called Kill Paris. And like this is like good fucking electronic dance music. It's called Kill Paris. And the thing I like about it is that a lot of electronic dance music artists, all of their songs are like 12 minutes long, and it's like a lot of just like beat, 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 beat but like kill paris gets to the point all of his songs are like two and a half to three and a half minutes long nice digestible edm music so kill paris and most of his songs are free uh you can just download them from his website so kill paris all right dude that's a show man yeah um thanks thanks for uh listening thank you for listening Uh, we're gonna spank this one on the bottom and until next time wherever you go whatever you do please Stay, Stay arrogant. arrogant.